Welcome to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. In this podcast, we interview researchers who are finding and telling the stories of individual World War II fallen heroes. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a researcher and author, John Strupp, with me. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself? Hi there, everybody. My name is John Strupp, and um, I work in the banking and finance industry for the last 30 years. I have a degree in finance and a minor in economics. So um, what we're going to talk about today has nothing to do with what I do for a living or for college. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and currently live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So you've you've written a book and tell me how that book came to be. My dad was a World War II veteran and um, like many veterans, he didn't really talk about his time in the Navy. We got things in bits and pieces. He would tell maybe uh, an observation or a funny story, but never really talked about it in detail. And uh, my dad was 44 when I was born. So I only knew an older person. Um, And I was always curious about what he was like as a young man and what he saw and what he did. And um, got curious about his Navy career. When uh, the internet came along, I gave me a platform to start researching and doing things. And so I uh, started as a trip to the library and, and, and ended up with this book. Um, so it's, it, my, my father was on the USS Chihuahua. Uh, it, it was a fleet oiler. And so what their job was is to refuel other ships at sea. So they would go with the convoys that traveled from the United States to either Africa or Europe Uh, and back, uh, and they would refuel the destroyers and the destroyer escorts that were um, protecting the convoys. And so this is a logistical ship, and I know you spoke in another podcast about uh, the logistical aspect of the war, something that's been overlooked. And so that's uh, what this book is about. It took me eight years of my spare time to write. And uh, so it's, it's all government records, crew interviews, letters, diaries, I organized six reunions. Um, unfortunately, at this point, there's, I only can document three of the crew that are still living. Wow. So when your dad was alive when you were writing this, were you able to talk with him about it? And Yes, yes. I was, I was able to, to talk to him about it. And um, I was surprised how interested he actually got in it, um, unfortunately, before he passed away. But um, I could ask him things about, do you remember this or do you remember that or... Um, in fact, uh, one of your other podcasts talking to Jeffrey Fersamir, uh, about the Hadley, uh, one of the crew from the, my dad's ship, the USS Chihuahua, uh, was killed on the Hadley. So I had asked him about, um, the ship, or I had asked him about, um, if he knew, uh, Francis Klaus and he had to think for a minute and he says, yeah, I, I, I know you're talking about it. He grew these really neat beards. And he said, well, what about him? And I said, well, uh, he was killed at Okinawa. Uh, he was transferred to a destroyer and killed. And my dad got a very shocked look on his face. And he just said, well, then I did the right thing. I stayed. He spent his entire time on the Chihuahua, which was about two and a half years. Um, so uh, I just, it's, this is uh, a collection of, of stories and, uh, and government records that, uh, turned into a book and the ship is is still floating it's 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 a now a 
uh, an ore boat on the Great Lakes uh, under the name of the Lee A. Tregurtha. So the, the boilers that my dad worked on uh, lasted until 2006 and they were replaced with diesel engines, but you can still see the, the ship was refitted. Um, they skirted the law in 1960, it was converted to an ore boat. And the, the law is that you can't have a foreign built ship used for intercoastal trade. So they, the way they skirted the law was to um, have part of the ship built overseas. So they built a new midship in Germany, brought it across the Atlantic and made it up with the bow and the stern and made a different ship out of it. So it's, it's, it's still going. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> they make things really well back then. They did. They did. Uh, there was three, the ship was, the dad always said it was three quarter inch plate welded and riveted. That was what it was made out of. So that when it, the sections are welded and riveted. And so uh, I, I was really lucky that this, the, when I did start my research, I ran into the, the most generous kind group of people. They, I would send out blind letters and they would, I would get these phone calls. I got a letter from you. That's my ship. And, and they would, I said, do you, what, what, what do you need? What do you want? And I said, I just want to talk to you. Well, that was a long time ago. I don't remember much, but I had a canned interview and I would, it would jar their memory. And within 20 minutes, they were right back. They could start talking about stuff and things that they had forgotten about. Wow. So how did you stumble across stories behind the stars then? Uh, well, I had, um, talk, I had talked to Don a couple of years ago. He had done a biography when his blog on, um, I can't remember his name now, um, Ira Jeffrey, and he was from Minneapolis. And he was uh, on the California and he was killed at Pearl Harbor. And so his family um, had, his grandparents had founded the Temple Israel in, in Minneapolis. And so he came from a pretty predominant family in Minneapolis. And so um, Don had stumbled across uh, a find a grave page that I had done for Ira. And so I, I, that's how I just kind of followed his blog. And then I read an, a story in the Minneapolis paper about the, the stories behind the stars project. And I thought, you know, I could do this. I've, I've got these stories. Um, I had to work on some other projects. And so um, I had, I had um, uh, at least two dozen or so stories um, already to go. I just needed to get them into the format for fold three. And so that's, I've done 21 so far. Wow. So you already had the information just like on your computer or was it? Yeah, just... it was on my computer. I had it written down on in um, already. So I just decided I could just put this into the format of what they needed on fold three for, for the project. And it's better. I'd, I'd love to have the public read this stuff instead of sitting on my computer or sitting in a box where nobody sees it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about some of the research you've done there in your home state then. This. Well, um, I had done um, two, two projects. Um, I have uh, returned a lost silver star and purple heart to a family in South Dakota. Um, at a chance meeting, uh, met a woman, uh, rode my bus to work and uh, 
she started, we struck up a conversation over the gunner's wing she had on her jacket. Her uncle was killed in World War II. Uh, he was a waste gunner in a B-17 with the 401st bomb group. And um, so then she said that she had worked at a storage facility and had come across an abandoned locker and she had a silver star and a purple heart, but she didn't know what to do with them. And they had names, you know, the name was on the back. And so I said, well, I'll see what I can do. And she wanted to get them back to the family. And so um, make a long story short, uh, I was able to find the family and we returned the medals in, on Veterans Day. We had a very nice ceremony in Volga, South Dakota on uh, Veterans Day of 2013. And um, so then um, another project I did was uh, my, my mother's hometown is Gillette, Wisconsin. And um, there were, uh, the, the city museum is uh, my aunt's grandfather's house. So it's a small town of a thousand people. So uh, one of the docents at the museum is my aunt's sister. And so I would go there and they would ask me to help out with the military room and critique it and such. And so I saw a plaque sitting in the corner and asked, well, what's, what's going on with this plaque here? And she said, well, uh, about in 2006, where it was a fire and um, it destroyed the VFW American Legion Hall and the plaque survived. The way it was listed on the plaque were the men from the First World War who, from Gillette who were killed. And I, I said, well, how about uh, any other conflicts? World War II? Uh, and she said, yeah, we lost some people, but we don't know who they are anymore because all of the records and military records were destroyed in the fire. And so between uh, my aunt's sister and I, we were able to reconstruct the records of five men from Gillette who were, who were killed on active duty. Um, and so uh, we had a new plaque made with uh, five men from World War II and one from Vietnam. And um, they have a veterans park there. So we, we mounted the remounted the plaques and rededicated the park on uh, Memorial Day of 2017, I think it was. So I had, was the, the keynote speaker and and uh, it's it's interesting when you go to a small town like that and find out you're related to half the city. <laughs> that's the beauty of small towns, right? <laughs> yes. I think that's so beautiful about this story is that that's what like America is made up of is like you know millions of small towns, and those small towns fed so many men into the war effort, right? You know, it when it when you people die from a large town it's like you know if they're from new york you're not going to get a lot of information about them because you know they were one of you know thousands and thousands but the i just recently did a podcast that talked about you know how hard it hit small towns when they lost their their young men because it was like that's all they had you know right so i think it's just beautiful to to take the time to find those and you know memorialize them and and get them to a place where you know younger generations can hopefully someday be able to get our app and scan those names on that plaque and be able to find those stories that you've written you know yeah yeah and i, I know you've talked in other broadcasts about how young these men were and and the the, the um, biographies i've done are from people's 18 to 50 um uh, uh, and, and I think it's one thing that's been overlooked to uh, the accidents stateside. How many people died in accidents? Um, 
even aboard um, the ships uh, that there were two that I wrote, um, two men that served on my dad's ship. Like I said, um, Francis Klaus and another man was uh, Wilton Dwyer who was 50 and he had a stroke. So they always didn't die in a battle. I mean, even their own health uh, had a health issue of their own that they, they died on active duty. So, um, and another one I did was uh, during a refueling, uh, 18 year old kid was, was washed overboard. Uh, he was hit with a freak wave. He was working on the bow and he had been, in, he was 18 years old. He got hit with a freak wave and washed overboard. Did I mean, they ever, they obviously never found him. Just they did not him. find him. They, they, they threw a ring to him and they, he didn't make it. And I, I have an account in my book, uh, a diary entry that's from someone who watched it happen. Wow. I feel like to be in the Navy takes an extra level of courage that I am not a huge ship person. That would be so hard for me. Wow. Well, that was the reason my dad chose the Navy. He wanted nothing to do with the infantry. He, um, he was born in 1922 and uh, June 30th, 1942, he was required to register for the draft. And so he knew that he was gonna get called up and he told me point blank, I said, he said, I can't hunt people for a living, I'll never make it. And he grew up on a farm, so he had experience with machinery. And so uh, that's why he joined the Navy. And then after boot camp, took some classes in machinery and then got his assignment to the Chihuahua where he worked in the fire room. Um, you know, it was a steam-powered ship, so he worked on the boilers. Wow. So I always like to ask people, um, how has doing this research changed your perspective on in life or on, on the war? Well, um, what's interesting is I've, I've had to deal with some of these families, and it impacts for generations. When I returned that Silver Star, I mean, uh, the family was just, they thought they'd never see it again. They thought it was gone. So, and it, it's, and even I talked to Francis Claus's family. His last sibling was a sister that just died a couple of years ago. I used to write to her all that we were exchanging letters. And um, so you, you do realize that when someone loses a family member this way, it impacts for generations. And that, that's what impressed me. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, my uncle was killed in World War II, and my, my grandma had 11 children because she always said it's because she never wanted to be alone. <laughs> because after he died, she just felt so alone in life. She just, with that heartache, and I think that just missing him for, you know, for so long, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if 11 children was the solution to that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful because my mother's number nine. So. <laughs> yeah, well, Francis was, uh, he was one of 10 children. So he was one of the first, uh, the older children. And uh, obviously it was one of his younger sisters that I was dealing with. But the interesting part that she said is that they got the telegram, uh, Francis was killed on the 11th of May and they got the telegram on the 17th of May. And she said that she considered Francis's death date the 17th because that's when they found out. She didn't think, she never uh, 
recognized the 11th as the day that he died. It's when they got the news is when she considered his death date. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So um, if, do you have any advice for someone who's starting out researching or thinking about researching that you'd? Just keep at it. Just, you know, uh, I have a full-time job and, and so, and I managed to, to do this. So, I mean, if, don't think that you have to be retired or um, it just, and, and, and there's a network out there of people. If you need help, you can find it. There's Facebook groups. There's, uh, you know, even go to stories behind the stars. If you get stuck, there's a network of people who can help you out. I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, some, somebody will help you even just to get started. Yeah. I think that's awesome to, you know, you can work a full-time job and do this, you know, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> so if someone wanted to find your book, how could they find it? Uh, well, uh, I have a Facebook page for the ship. You can buy a book on there. You can buy them on Amazon. Um, so I, the, the title of the book is King of the Oilers. Um, so I'm sure maybe you can put a link on, on the podcast to the Amazon page that I have to, to buy it directly from me. Um, uh, the book is $22 and um, it's gotten some really great reviews. Um, so it's, it's just, a, they, like I said, it's all government records, crew interviews, letters, diaries. You'd be surprised what came out of storage. I was. This is the, the Depression era of people that never threw anything away. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'll for sure put a link in the description so people can find it there. And um, thank you so much for taking time with me today. It's, it's very rewarding. I'll say that to anyone who wants to do this, get started. It it's, it is a very rewarding thing. The, the, the book and the, uh, the metal return that I did, uh, just some of the most rewarding things I've ever done. You, you'd be surprised how many lives you can touch. Yeah, and I think the beauty of the project is uh, that it's, it's about touching that one life one at a time, you know, and, and seeing that one individual and serving, you know, it's really a beautiful thing. So putting, I, th I like to put pictures with names. And so when I, I, when I have time, I'll Google World War II news. And if there's a picture of, they have a story of someone who was killed during the war, if there was a picture of them in the article, I'll look on find a grave and see if, if they have a picture. If they don't, I take the picture off of the, you're not supposed to be doing this, but I take it off of the news story and I put it on the, on their find a grave page. So you, that person comes, it be it has a name and a face instead of just a, like we've talked in these other podcasts, it's just a, a statistic. It's not just a statistic in a book. It's it, this person had a life. They had a, they had a family, they had a plans for the future that were all erased. Yeah. I like that you said, you know, they had plans for the future and that's something that we just don't always think about, you know, but as you get to know them better, you can kind of see what those plans might have been. Yeah, one of the one of the uh, stories I did was for Alfred Fry, and he was a P forty seven pilot who crashed in uh, near Rouen, France, and uh, unfortunately uh, he's missing. But I've the family was nice enough to give me a photocopy. He had of a letter he had written to his fiance. 
So, you know, he, he had a, he was planning on getting married after the war and that didn't happen. Wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking your time with me this evening. I really appreciate it and all the research you've done. And thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast and uh, thank you to all the veterans that are listening today. So uh, thanks again. And uh, hopefully um, your, the project just keeps growing. Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. We're so grateful you're here with us today. If you like this content, please consider subscribing. Please consider donating on storiesbehindthestars.org or even better yet, volunteering to help write these stories. 